Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard and its many games like a giant cyclopean eye staring down at you from the void. Uh, I'm Matt Rossi, I'm the host, and with me this week are two fantabulous co-hosts that literally would be willing to be shrunk down and go on a journey. They're that good. Um, first up, she's here pretty much every week, uh, does everything, is kind of amazing, sort of terrifying, you, you never know what she's going to do. She's like a, some kind of janus face goddess of duality. It's it's Anne Stickney. Anne, what have you been up to this weekend? Well, nothing as exciting as what you just said. <laughs> I like to give you an intro. <laughs> I'm mostly knocking out old achievements. Like, that's that's what I've been focusing on, is just knocking out old achievements. I don't know why. I really don't. That just, for whatever reason, col- collecting mounts, mostly. Um, and then I played the trial for Mass Effect Andromeda, which has nothing to do with any Blizzard games, but I was playing that, and I feel like I should admit I was playing that. So. Oh yeah, I think a lot of people have been. I mean, I think a lot of people at Blizzard probably are. Oh God, people. when is this coming out? A lot of um, people. But yeah, so yeah, that's. I think. I mean, I when I could play, I did. I, I had my weekend wasn't conducive to anything other than panic. But uh, also with us this week, uh, he's the EIC of Blizzard Watch. He's the incredible artist apparently i didn't realize this until his concept drawing for, not true his concept drawing for the new zone came to life it, it's uh, beautiful he, alex he, alex Z-Bart, that's also uh, not true <laughs> well you are alex so what have you been up to that is true crafting new zones for us to experience uh waiting for andromeda honestly um i was like excited but not that excited and then i played the trial through origin and okay then i was for real excited and i was like i have to wait a whole week and now it's almost here yeah i, I don't want to do a thing that thing we do sometimes where we go on about another game for literally 20 minutes before we finally start talking about blizzard stuff yeah just basically but- every everything i did for the last week was just me trying to burn hours until i could play the thing i wanted to play is how i'll put no, it i understand uh but I will say this much, though, about that game. It did a good job of recapturing the what-is-going-on feel that you get with a new franchise. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, this wasn't a new franchise. Uh, it's game four. I mean, you know, you you feel like... Usually you do that kind of thing, and you're like, yeah, I've done it all before. I know how this goes. And they quickly dispense with that. It is something I think any game company could could learn from. Take Take a page here. Look at this and realize, yeah, you can shake people up. You can, it's, you can make a new experience. It's Mass Effect 1 again, except it's Mass Effect 4. Yeah, it, it really did an interesting job of that. But uh, all right, we're going to move on to top stories because if we don't, you know, we kind of failing you as a podcast. Uh, first up, first thing I'm going to talk about anyway is the fact that um, if you knew about the 4 Azeroth event in Heroes of the Storm, it, it, it's back unexpectedly. Um, from what I understand... Basically, Heroes of the Storm had the four Azeroth pro- pro- promotion where you went in, did a quest where it was 15 games? Win 15 games as, as a Warcraft character? I know we did it, but uh, I forget. I don't think you have to... You don't have to win them. You have to play them. It's 15, them. though. It is 15. Yes. All right, yeah. Play 15 games. You don't have to win them. My, my apologies. Mm-hmm. But you... um, the, We we did it. It was it was actually a lot of fun. I mean, I had a good time playing it. But the yeah. interesting thing about it was that, you know, it was it was a like almost month, I think it was like February to March 14th or something like that. And I guess Blizzard accidentally ended it soon. Like they, it, they... it was supposed to end at a certain time on a certain, on, on that day. And it ended like a few hours earlier than expected. So there were was people it... who were trying to get it like super last minute and they couldn't do it. 
I couldn't remember if it like ended a few hours early or if the end time was in the middle of maintenance. It was maybe one of those. that was maybe that was it. I don't know. All I know is that there were people who were trying to get it, like scrambling to get it last minute, and they weren't able to get it. And if, since it happened that way, they decided to go ahead and just reactivate it for a little while. So you've got until the twenty sixth, which is what so, Saturday. Yeah, it's uh well today is the twentieth, so it's it's next Sunday. 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 Yeah, Sunday. So you got till Sunday to play 15 games. It doesn't take long, guys. Just like sit down and do it. If you haven't done yeah, it yet, do it. Don't wait until is, don't wait until Sunday. Just do it. The secret is too that you don't have to play them against other people. Just need to get some friends, and you or one of the people in that group needs to be playing Warcraft characters. If the person who wants to get the achievement, just get some friends and do a versus AI match. That's all you have to do. It doesn't have to be like an actual match against people. So you don't have to be worried that, oh, my God, I'm terrible. I'm going to make everybody in my group unhappy because it'll be like a B versus AI match and no one will care. And if you don't have friends, um, there are people in game and Heroes of the Storm that are looking for – Heroes of the Storm has a chat system. And if you just ask around or you see somebody else asking, you can just be friends for the duration of – your 15 games and then there, there, there's a lot of people who like yeah. they're throwing up lfg for azeroth mount in in the chat channel like immediately so yeah so yeah i would definitely recommend doing that uh also however one thing i i thought was fascinating that just just recently happened um diablo 3 is putting out its next season which is not unusual they do that all the time but they're finally bringing it to consoles so uh, Diablo season play will finally be accessible to people who play Diablo three mainly on consoles. I was I had gone into like a renaissance of loving Diablo three again because I think Diablo three works really well on console. Um, it's one of the games you can argue back and forth about other games. Like I mean I like people like Overwatch on console, but Alex makes the point and he, and I've looked into it since and he's right that there's more responsiveness when whoa, you play it. Whoa 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 yeah back up. I have admit I have did admitted you just Alex say right did you just. Yeah. Wow. Look, if you before. call attention to it, it'll never happen again. I know. It's happened six times. I keep them burned into my soul as marks of shame. Oh, anyway. Okay. All right, moving but, on. Yeah, but Diablo 3 is one of the games I actually think works better on console because it has uh, the, the, the dodge roll mechanic and is there on the console and not on the PC version. And it's, it's really useful if you want to not take damage. But at any rate, for a long time, I played it like a lot. I played it all the way through all the, you know, through, you know, Reaper of Souls. I did all the the special side stuff that came out. I had played that game a lot, but then you come to a point where your character is max level and you're just doing the same riffs over and over again. And there's nothing else to do. I mean, and in, on console that happens faster because there was no seasons. They've had like, I think we're on season 10. Um, yeah. Season 10 is coming out. And they haven't put out one of them for the console this whole time. So, you know, why, after a while I just stopped. Why didn't they put seasons on consoles? Apparently, Do we know? Like, what, what was that? Was it a technical thing? or? According to the post, there were technical challenges to be overcome. And they didn't actually say, these are the technical challenges to be overcome, to my knowledge. I mean, I read it and I didn't see anything like that. But, uh, yeah, apparently now they're just finally getting it together enough to put it out there. And I think that's great. If, as I recall, I don't know, my knowledge of this goes back a console generation. I don't know if the current consoles are set up this way. But I know it was... Um, so Valve of Team Fortress 2, they straight up said what the problem was. TF2 got tons of free content on PC. On consoles, it didn't really get any because to patch a game on consoles involved paying an exorbitant fee 
to Ooh. Microsoft or Sony or what, whatever. So if Microsoft and Sony could independently verify the contents and of the patch and bug test it and so forth. So you had to pay a third party to uh, uh, verify your patch before you could release it. And yeah, when Valve was doing something like every month they were releasing them for free, they weren't going to pay Microsoft and Sony money to do that. Yeah, I don't know if that's the case because I know that at least on the Xbox, and I'm pretty sure the PlayStation does this too, this has been a huge push to make third-party apps and de- content download stuff work for the the new stuff. Fallout 4 has gotten every patch that it's gotten for anything else has gotten for the Xbox. Um, they they are much more on top of it with the, with the new consoles. I don't think that's currently the issue. I, I certainly don't think Blizzard would have put out seasons on on console if they had to pay yeah, to a third if, party. If that problem has been eliminated, then that's why you're getting seasons on console though. Yeah. But um, I, I'll tell you though, it's, it's a great addition um, for all that. I think, you know, Diablo has seen a dearth of development lately uh, and, you know, and the anniversary thing was really cool. I'm glad they did that. And I'm glad the net, the necromancer is coming. I think that's, that's a good step in the right direction, but I'd like to see Diablo three, get like an actual expansion or something. Uh, I think it really is either either start working on Diablo 4 or put some stuff into Diablo 3 because it is a game that has really improved since launch. It's a it's a solid, good action RPG game. That's what it, it is. I just said RPG game. That's so dumb, man. That's so ATM machine of me. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I, I, I'm happy about this. I think this is really good. Um, hmm, what else we talk about? Uh, we can talk about patch 7.2. It's not going to be tomorrow. Yeah, it's not happening. That's, no, it, yeah. it's not. We're not going to see it tomorrow, but... Um, it's in release candidate. It is, yeah. The PTR really, it, the PTR version is an official release candidate, so um, soon, TM, only you might even be able to ditch the TM at this point and say probably within the next few weeks here we should see it on yeah. live servers. I'm kind of excited about that because there's a lot of new stuff in 7.2 and now that I've finished all the Nighthold stuff, I want to go do questing and things again, so I'm looking forward to going to the back to the Broken Shore and, you know, finishing up all that stuff, also getting flying. That would be great. I'll tell you, <laughs> we were talking about changing up and and doing stuff on the leveling stream, but if 7.2 dropped at a, a reasonable amount of time, I want to do that five man. For sure. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. I want to do that five man a lot. It looks really interesting. It looks it looks um, pretty amazing, and I would love to do that. Um, I have seen one. I got to see a little bit of it um, from the on the PTR. Okay, and well, I'm not spoiling anything. All I'm saying is uh, the snarkiness between the people who were there with you is a thing to behold. Yes. It is beautiful. Um, and quite frankly, I'm I'm going to say this. I kind of like Cadgar now. He is he is old dad Cadgar. He's old dadgar. But I like him on that. I like that he is old Dadgar. It's not saying I don't want other characters to come back, but if I'm stuck with with an old wizard, I like that he's trying too hard. I don't know what to say. It's like, you know, <laughs> oh God, Cadgar. Yeah, I don't think the problem was ever that Cadgar's character sucked or anything. It's just that they shelved a lot of other people for Cadgar. Yeah, that's yeah, the problem. Which kind of annoys me. But uh, I totally agree on that. But the voice acting is good, and I, don't know, I thought it was good. But yeah, seven point two. I'm excited about it. Um, I, w- I definitely want to do some of the invasion stuff. I, I'm actually more interested in the Legion assaults than I am the Broken Shore. I mean, I'll do the Broken Shore. I want to do I... the Broken Shore because I want the class mount because the rogue one is real cool. It's a big yeah, raven. One... I mean, come on. <laughs> the warrior one is kind of like a big dinosaur thing, and you'd think I'd be all over that, but 
I don't know. It just feels like I feel like it should have like like the bulwark of Azanoth on its shoulders or something. Just something that says warrior, like you know, it's completely covered in tank armor or something. I, I don't know. Just cover I'm the just... thing in axes from like yeah nose <laughs> to orc... nose to tail tip. It's it's just axes everywhere with the a saddle on it. Aesthetic. Yeah, <laughs> this thing ain't pointy enough. Oh, I think we it's got a that. Sucker for timeless isles. Yeah. If it's what was a, that, Alex? Sand, I'm a sucker for timeless isles and places. Like, if it's just a big sandbox with stuff to kill, I'm I'm there. That's think, my favorite yeah. thing. I think that's Killing part of stuff. it. I think that's part of it. And then I think that there's also like a storyline type thing involved too, which is good. And there's a dungeon, which is good. And there's a raid, which is also good. Like there's all kinds of stuff in 7.2. It's a big patch. Yeah. It's not. I mean, 7.15 had quite a bit of stuff. But it wasn't a major patch. This is a major patch. So seven one five was the appetizer, and this is the meat and potatoes. I'll say right mm-hmm. now too. Um, one of the other things I like about this patch is that I'm actually not all that excited for raid transmog. Like the raid stuff. I mean, I don't hate it, but it's the the the, the, the loot is all like you know burning crusader like gear, and I'm not that excited because if I had that one of that stuff, I already went out and got it. But um. The five-man dungeon has some of the nicest armor I've seen in a long time, and it, it it's funny because it looks um, it's it's sort of just demon themed. Like there's an armor set that basically makes you look kind of like a satyr or a dreadlord. I'm not, you know, it's it's stylized demon armor. And I like it. I think it looks really cool. Um, the dungeon sets look nice. They have color variants that are distinct. Like if you want a bright black and red suit, they've got that, or a green and black one. I haven't looked at like the leather or mail. Yet the cloth one I thought was good. Like I actually looked, this is, you will very rarely hear me say, I liked this cloth set. And this is the time that I can say it. So that's exciting to me. I like when new Transmog stuff comes. Here's my issue. They decided to revamp the Black Temple sets. Mm -hmm. I want an updated tier two. That's what I, that's all I want. I just want updated tier two because tier two in my mind had some of the best armor sets, like the most iconic armor sets ever. You know, that's why I was a little disappointed in the Warlords end raid gear because they were trying to evoke tier two, but not actually redesign it. Yeah, that and didn't it work doesn't for me. It doesn't it, look right. It, no, it didn't work for me. I, you know, straight up the rogue tier set in in, in Tomb of Sargeras, it looks like Slayer, only it's like a high res texture version of Slayer's armor, which is great and everything, except that that's not my favorite rogue set ever actually i don't even really like that one all that much it's okay but it's not my favorite and the same goes for like the other classes i think i liked the warlock version the warlock set with the wings that was a pretty cool looking set and if i remember correctly the warrior one looked pretty cool too the Um, warrior set's good tier six is one of the better warrior sets but i honestly don't feel like what they did to redesign it looks fine yeah but it's it's the same time. It also makes it look like overly elaborate in a way that it didn't look before. Like before the, the real draw was the big spiky shoulders and the big spiky helmet. And now we've also got the big spiky torso and the big spiky boots and the big spiky legs and, you know, shove some more spikes on it Um, and then stick you on a mount. That's nothing. But I I am Orgrimmar. Like seriously, if you're an orc warrior wearing this, you can just go around going, hi, I'm Orgrimmar. How you doing? I haven't, looked at these sets very closely um my only exposure is i think i saw a tweet from peculia or peculia through wowhead one of those and it was the preset and i used to love that set and the screenshot showed the preset all like yellow and holy light ish 
Yeah. It's like, no, that's wrong. That set is dark. It well, they is have sets spooky. for like they have a, they have a shadow looking set. Okay. Yeah, it's, there's, there's two actually, versions. It's okay. Because everything it's about like, that set is spooky. So when you put some holy light on it, it's broken. And Vaiku like, in the chat channel points out that like the Hunter set, for example, it doesn't match no the sense. aesthetic of Tomb of Sargeras because it's Gron Stalker. That was the set for Black Temple. And there are no Gron on the Broken Isles, which is a legit point. You know, actually, the weird part's going to be when we get into Tomb of Sargeras and it's full of Gron. The, the problem <laughs> what are they doing the here? The problem that I have here, though, is like I said, they're going for this whole class identity thing, and none of the tier sets evoked that sense of, of different classes more than tier two like tier two paladin armor that's a paladin tier two think, rogue yeah, armor that's a rogue you know what i mean because tier two priest armor uh was not very inspiring it was transcendence are you kidding me that's my favorite set it, it looks was like a like, stained glass window it's beautiful it wasn't a very good it was like just kind of turquoise and kind of weird it's like a I cathedral like window i don't know like an updated version of that would have been amazing it was like a stained glass window depicting nothing. See, I'm just saying this that Tier Six Warrior, I mean, is almost universally acclaimed. Even uh, it's not my favorite, but I know like so many warriors are like, yeah, Tier Six. Tier Six is, you know, the the, the onslaught set is that for warriors. Uh, but I don't think a lot of the others, like the Paladin one. I don't know, Alex. You haven't seen the Paladin, the the Tier Six look like no. Paladin set they've got. Um, it comes in multiple colors, like a kind of seething red and a purple. And it's just, you remember how that set looked? Like it was lit from within. Yeah. It, you was, know? it was. Imagine that. But yellow. Bright, and yeah. Blue. Imagine that, that with bright purple coming out of it. No. Yeah. And it doesn't work. It's so there's, there's stuff I like and stuff I don't like, but I definitely, I'm much more excited about the dungeon stuff because it looks interesting and new. And I, I, I kind of wish they hadn't just done like this your, revamp. Your style editors today is yes. what's going on. <laughs> get, get used to it, people. This is us. <laughs> We're just going to talk yeah. about fashion like all day. But yeah, um, so 7.2, not coming out tomorrow, but maybe coming out the 28th. If not, I'm going to assume probably the 4th of April. Yeah. Uh, the only thing else I had here, and if there's anything else you guys want to talk about, now's a good time to throw it out there. But there's a Nighthold had a tank balance issue that they basically addressed on the forums and to break it down to a really quick and, and easy soundbite, uh, guardian druids were the best tanks by a lot because of Marco Bears. Yeah. And, uh, the reason is because they basically had the best anti-magic mitigation for the least resource cost and, uh, both prop warriors and amazingly, uh, vengeance DK D demon hunters were having the problem. You didn't think I, I was surprised by this. I was the like, demon vengeance? hunters were too. Yeah, demon hunters were. And Usually, I, I was it's just, the new class that's blowing everybody else out of the yeah. water. Yeah, exactly. That's what that was my result. My response to it, I was like, demon hunters, really? Because demon hunters are pretty good tanks. I mean, there's obviously they're the new hotness, and so whenever you have the tank class be the new hotness, people jump in and try and tank on them immediately who haven't actually figured the class out. So you get a lot of dungeon runs where like they just blow up and everyone's mad. But overall, a, a, a demon hunter tank who knows what he or she is doing can tank really effectively it's just a question of like certain classes had better anti-magic mitigation than others and because of the way that they're designed the guardian druids have the best and that's just it's the best for the least resource cost it's not just that it's the best it's the best that they don't have to think about because they, they basically decide am i going to be doing like magic mitigation or am i going to be doing something else and the downside is they lose the something else whereas you know like a prot warrior has spell reflect 
but it's on a longish cooldown, they can still do their normal stuff and they can hit spell reflect from time to time. But in this situation, there are certain fights where it's heavy magic damage all the time. The Guardian Druid pulls ahead. And Blizzard's basic statement on this is that they're going to, they don't want to make tanks too samey, that they've had that problem in the past. They, they don't want tanks to play the same. They don't feel like they, they feel like having tanks do things differently and sometimes maybe a little better, like maybe they're a little better on X. That's not a really a problem as long as the other classes can still do it. But they, they're going to pay attention because they don't want a situation where people are actually struggling to get through a raid because of the tanks they have. And gotcha. that's been the case for some people. So I thought that was interesting because we're going into a new raid you know, coming up. And they've said they're not going to make any big changes because they're about to drop a new raid on people. And they don't want them to have to try and relearn how to do their class or suddenly have a tank who's less effective. So that's something to watch going into 7.2 is like how Nighthold has, has informed tanking balance and how we have anti-magic damage and how it's how magic is damage is dealt with, how you have anti-magic damage, you know, things in your class. So that was basically it for me, guys. Do you guys see anything you want to talk about before we move on? The only BlizzCon other thing... announcement. Oh, yeah. Okay. Go, go. BlizzCon. They announced BlizzCon last week, uh, November 3rd and 4th. They didn't extend it to three days like some people might have expected. Uh, still just two days. They may or may not get the expansion of the convention center. It's slated to complete at this around the same time BlizzCon is happening. Uh, Morheim suggested that they would use it last year, but whether it's going to be there to be used or not is kind of up in the air. Yeah. So we, if we there is space there for them to fill, they will fill that space. They announced sure. the ticket times too, didn't they? Like when they're going on sale, mm-hmm. April. So yeah, get ready for that, guys. If you're you're doing that. Um, I know I won't be because, you know, I, I can't travel, but I'm, I'll be envious. So there you go. I will, <laughs> I will be sick with envy. So there you go. BlizzCon uh, will be going on. And I, I feel like I need to like reiterate for the record that 7.2 has flying in it. And I'm very excited about this. I don't know about you guys. I, really I don't, don't care about flying. I, I do. Mean, I think I've gotten to I the think... point where I'm tired of not being able to fly. It takes a while for me to get there, but when I'm there, I'm there. And I'm there right now. I think you probably remember uh, I got flying for Warlords many moons after they actually implemented it. Because Didn't we do you guys that on had the to, leveling stream? Yes. You guys <laughs> expected me to fly somewhere in the leveling stream, and I couldn't. So you guys had to take me around and get uh, Pathfinding, or whatever it's called. <laughs> yes. Trailblazing. Yeah. Pathfinder. Path- yeah. Pathfinder. Okay. I was pretty sure that was it, but I was wondering if I had Andromeda on the brain because Pathfinder, but it's good. I just don't care about flying. Ground travel is fine for me. I do, and I'm happy that we're going to be seeing it finally. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to the class mounts too. Anyway. Alrighty, so I guess at this point we will do the emails that we do every week here on the show. If you have an email, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Uh, put you know Blizzard Watch or the podcast in the the subject line, because that makes it easier for us to know what podcast you want the email to be on. Uh, as is usually the case, Anne's going to be reading them for us. So if you take it away, Anne. Okay. So our first email is from Sevatar, who says, "Greetings, Watchers Three. Quick question: Do you think Blizzard could improve the quote-unquote pacing of its content delivery? 
At the start of every expansion, we often hear that people are overwhelmed that there's too much to do, followed by periods of rattling around and doing the same old stuff. I'd personally be quite happy with the developers, quote unquote, holding back content and drip feeding it to us on a weekly basis, as opposed to the huge dump of stuff consumed quickly. Thoughts, Sevitar. Um, I'm going to jump in here real quick and say that I think the reason that a lot of people are overwhelmed right when an expansion starts is because there's a bunch of things to do right when an expansion starts. Like you're starting out, you got a level. And once you're done leveling, there's all the end game stuff. to cons- There's a lot. There's a lot of new content. And that happens every time. Um, I don't I don't know why people feel overwhelmed by it because it's just, you know, it's like, here's a gigantic pile of stuff to do. Go yeah. do it. See, I think to a degree, I mean, we've we've all been playing and talking about World of Warcraft for a very long time now. I remember back in ancient Greece when we first started doing it and we like did it out of a temple. Uh, no, seriously, though, we've been doing this for a long time. And we've seen the various ways Blizzard has done content releases. Calculated um, DPS via Abacus. Yeah, yeah we, we've, we've seen them do overwhelming dumps of content. That was Burning Crusade. Burning Crusade was literally nothing, 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 everything, nothing, 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 everything. And uh, Wrath of the Lich King was very similar in that it basically just threw patches at you. Like, literally just, and it, it threw them at you at, at different alternating rates of speed, so you could never really be sure when you were going to get them. Like, you got Ulduar, and that was, like, you know, relatively, like, a few months after launch. And then you got, you know, Trial of Crusader right after Ulduar. And then you got Ice Crown Citadel, a good long chunk after that. And then you got... Ruby Sanctum, which wasn't much, and that was thrown in at the end. And then you got nothing for a long time. And they've been going back and forth on this for years. Uh, I think that right the the in terms of the highest rate of content patches they ever did was we're looking at Mists of Pandaria, where they were putting out content like it was like almost every three to four months something new would come out until you know we got the last raid, and then it was like a year and nothing. I think that's their real problem. It isn't necessarily that they overwhelm people with content; it's that they don't they've yet to be able to do a thing where they give you content reliably over a long period of time where they space it out correctly yeah so you aren't sitting there for a year at the end of an expansion twiddling your thumbs yeah mr pandaria looked like it was going to be great and then they had that lull of a year where there was nothing i mean if you cut that year-long stretch at the end of miss pandaria down to like four months it would have been the perfect expansion period or even i I, in the like overwhelmed at the start of every expansion, like I just don't understand how someone is overwhelmed. Like it's a new game. I would, I want there to be a lot of stuff. If I get into a game, I look at it, I'm like, there's not much to do here. That is the most disappointing launch of a new game or expansion ever. You want to have all of those things to do. That's what make. I mean, you're playing Delight a game. Me. You want the things to play. Yeah. <laughs> Delight me with the many and varied toys, please. I'm gonna actually <laughs> like, say that perfect. I don't. I don't feel like Legion was overwhelming at all at launch. Like it had content, and and we were all glad of it. Compared after Warlords, where Warlords, Warlords looked really great, and then it turned into like a a, a Hollywood set because it's like you know oh that looks like a really great place to go, and you got there and everything is actually a facade and there's nothing there yet, and you're like oh so I guess I'm not just going to be doing that stuff up front for a while. Okay, I guess that's fine. And I think Warlords, I mean Legion, really learned a lot from that. They learned how to do like you know open world questing a lot better. The, the the world quests are much more interesting than the you know go to a zone kill a bunch of things and fill a bar. They they, they generally speaking you know Suramar is a triumph of of max level game open world gaming. 
it's it's it feels Surmar is and for all that I have problems with Surmar City and and you know could burn certain sections of it to the ground and cackle in the flames. Surmar is like playing an Assassin's Creed game in World of Warcraft. It's so like they, good. They put a, another game in World of Warcraft that you can play with your World of Warcraft character. Uh, it's it seriously is an amazing thing and. I don't feel like Legion has overwhelmed me at all. I feel like Legion has basically been, here is enough stuff to do that even if you want to go play on an alt, you've got stuff to do on it. And if you don't want to do any of it, don't. You don't, you know, you don't want to do Mythic Dungeons, don't do them. If you don't want to do World Quests, don't do them. But they're here, and if you want them, there they are. It's done a really good job of, of not drip-feeding us. It hasn't been, like, you know, gated or dripping. But it, they did, in fact, make us wait a good long chunk before we got Nighthold. Nighthold wasn't technically speaking a 7.15 release. It was still part of 7.0 in terms of its design. But they didn't give it to us. I think it was actually after 7.1 that it came out, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. And it, that was mostly just due to the fact that 7.0 on release, we had what? We had Emerald Nightmare, which was pretty mm-hmm. lengthy. And then we and got. And they gave us Trial of the Valor halfway through that. We got Trial of Valor, which was also. It wasn't. I don't think it was as lengthy. It was like a little minor raid, but it was still a raid. It was another raid piece of raid content. So, mm-hmm. and then they, you know, we got Nighthold with, you know, even though it wasn't part of Seven One Five design wise, it came out with Seven One Five. So we've actually had three raids this expansion so far, and we're going to get at least one more. And, and Nighthold was a big raid. I mean, oh, yeah. Emerald Nightmare was pretty big too, but Nighthold's—it's a big raid. There's a lot Nighthold going a- on in there. Nighthold's about as big as the previous two raids put together. Like, Emerald Nightmare is like, yeah. like seven or eight bosses, all told, I think. I think one, two, three, four. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it's interesting to me. We've got a lot. We've had a lot come out. We've we've had a lot you could do. Um, dungeons like Karazhan, which is like a mini raid. I know Alex hates the mega dungeon thing, but, you know, it, there's... There mega was dungeon, pro- mini raid. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's stuff that happened. I, I feel like they gave... They've done a decent job so far. We'll see how they do with 7-2, and we'll see how they do after it. Um, I hope that they've, if they've got the cycle going of, like, mini, uh, like, I want to say mini patch, mega patch, if they've got that cycle down, like a 7-1-5, 7-2, if that is done properly, we could be finally looking at the expansion that doesn't make us wait a year at the end. That's that's what we have to see. Yeah. Uh, after, you know, 7-3, Argus, whatever. <laughs> if we have a year after that, they didn't really fix anything. No. Yeah, we'll for see. me, for me, um, I don't know if we're even going to have a seven two five because because they said seven two. We have a hint towards seven three, like they said, oh Argus is seven three, but they didn't say if there was anything coming before seven three, or no, if didn't. it's just going to be true. like Argus after that. Um, I do like this idea of the mini patch thing, and I think that seven one five was really successful in that aspect. That mm-hmm. you know, it introduced stuff without being really overwhelming. It was just like some cool new tidbits of things to do, and that made me happy that there was. I don't think we've seen those little patches like that since I don't know when forever. It, it has a sort of vanilla feel to it. A little bit, yeah, because vanilla. Well, you used to just get a dungeon, or you now you can go here and do this. One point one point one two. You know, it was like <laughs> here's all these little tiny patches in between everything. You know, it, it, not every patch in vanilla was a major patch, and a lot of those little minor patches introduced just like little tiny things that didn't really have a whole lot to do Weather. with anything. But it was new stuff. You know. Yeah. Anyway. All right, uh, Savitar, I hope that answers your question. 
I mean, you just asked for thoughts, so we gave them to you. Did you have anything to add, Alex? Nope. Okay. We're going to move on. Next email doesn't have a name on it, but it says, Hello, Captain Cold, Killer Frost, and Mr. Freeze. And I would like to pause for a moment and try and figure out which one of us is who here. Um, you are definitely Killer Frost. Why That's am I Killer big. Frost? It's oh, because Killer Frost yeah. is the only woman. Killer Frost is a woman, Captain Cold, and Mr. Freeze are men. Oh, So, okay. I mean, I guess we don't have to play. If you want to be Captain Cold, you can. I've never heard but... of Killer Frost, so I'm just, like, in the dark. Oh, here. Killer Frost is actually the coolest of the three of them. Oh, all right. Okay. And that's a weird thing to have said about characters who all freeze things. I Type will just Cole. make it a point to look that up later. <laughs> all right. So the email says, I have one question for you. How vast was the Night Elf Empire and how many rulers did it have? We know of Prince Ferrandis, Queen Ashara, Grand Magistrates, Elisande, the Sunstriders, etc. Was the Elven Empire united or were there multiple factions? It was it was united in that Ashara was queen and everybody else was under her. Yes. Um, but it tended to have a sort of Byzantine structure where princes and principalities were like ruled by a powerful figure who then reported to the queen. Um, th there's more than just uh, Ferrandis. There were several princes, like Prince Strathaldrin and Eldrathalus. He reported directly to Ashara. Like he his his group, the Shendralar, were a specific group that did things that Ashara wanted done, and their city was under him, then to her. Uh, you get that with Elisand did that for Suramar. Um Ferrandis did that for Azuna. There are others. There's one that's I never remember her name, but she was in Warcraft three, she gets mentioned. Like they actually have to deal with her ghost, uh Princess, and I can't remember what her name was, but she's Oh my she's gosh. One. Yeah, you I know, know who you're talking, talking about. about, and I can't remember her name, but she, I know who you're in, talking about. Yeah, she was in um, Stone Talon. Yeah. Is but, she in Stone Talon right now? Because I know that there's, like, Night Elf Ruins in Stone Talon now. I don't think she's ever made an appearance. Her actual name is apparently Azune. Azune, okay. Yeah, so it's, you know, Princess Azune. I just looked her up. Okay. Um, not to be confused with Azuna. So, yeah, but she was a Night Elf princess. Um, you know, she was she mocked an oracle's wisdom and was punished by transformed into Livingstone. Yep. So she's in Warcraft 3. She makes no appearance in the game ever again. Like She, isn't in she Warcraft, doesn't really in need World... to, though, because she was a ghost yeah. when you dealt with her in Warcraft 3. So Yeah, yeah. World of Warcraft, is, she's never popped up. But the, the point being, she was one of many of those kinds. We, we, there, there was a, basically, if you look at the map of ancient Kalimdor, um, anything around the Well of Eternity that's even remotely desirable, the elves had or didn't want. Like if they, they it wasn't worth fighting the Mogu to get the stuff down in Pandaria because that's way south. But at the so height of the of the Night Elf Empire of the Caldera Empire, they they had a giant chunk out of the middle. It yeah. wasn't just the area around the Well of Eternity. They had like a lot of the surrounding area as well. Yeah. If you want another way to think about it is if you look at the, the map of the world right now, any place where you go when there's a Night Elf ruin, they had. So the hinterlands, they had stuff there. Um, you know, which basically means the whole north of the Eastern Kingdoms, they had a big chunk of that. The, uh, it was right a giant of, stretch. Yeah, straight south of Stormwind, there's a big Night Elf Ruin, a uh, big portal. That was also theirs. So, and all that stuff that's from, currently yeah. underwater, yeah, under the Maelstrom, there. that was all Night Elf territory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the reason that we're currently on the Broken Isles. It was all night elf territory. The whole bloody thing. I mean, huge, huge swaths of the planet. The only places they didn't have were places that they either decided they didn't want or didn't want to fight for. Like, they basically banished the Amani and Gurubashi trolls to their little sections of the world and were like, you stay there. 
come out and we will punish you. And the trolls had no nothing they could do about it. The the trolls could not fight them. Um, so they you, didn't you get quite that get the whole magic thing. Yeah. The whole on the same the only level tro- as the Calderai did. Yeah, the only trolls who had any power at that time were the Zandalari because they were united with they were allied to the Mogu, and yeah. the Mogu were a were a tough chunk because they were Titan forged. But they were the, down the elves, south. And... Yeah, the elves were like not really worth our time. That that we have the well, let them do what they want. We've got the well. We've got all this other land. It doesn't really matter. The way, the way that it worked was, I mean, I guess you could kind of look at it if you want to look at it in U.S. terms. It was kind of like a state. Like you have the mm-hmm. Night Elf state, and each state has like several different cities in it, and each city has its own mayor, but they all report to the governor. I guess yeah, or, if you want to kind of look at it that way. Or any, you know, any like satrapy from like you know actual history, like the Roman Empire, you know, was ruled from Rome, but it had satrapies and yeah. it had you know territories, and they had governors and so forth. It's basically the same system. You have a, a central ruler, and then that ruler has people who report to them, and the title that they used was usually prince or princess. Grand Magistrix was only, was rare in that she didn't use prince or princess, but that's because her reign over Suramar was very much because she was a powerful magician. It was magic oriented. So. Yeah. And the Sunsters weren't actually leaders of anything. No. They, they were, they were high placed. They were well-placed highborn, but they weren't like in charge of anything. They were just, in fact, they were kind of the, the weirdos. Like they were really into the sun and they liked to color their hair. Everyone was like, why are you into the sun? We're night elves. <laughs> He's like, but the daytime's so cool, man. They were like, Honestly, they were like the night elf version of goths because, they, you know, <laughs> they, they were always out during the day when everybody else was sleeping oh, and they were always no. dressed in bright clothes and talked about the sun all the time. They were like, you know, they were goths. They were the yeah. they were opposite of their culture's, you know, normalcy. I, and I they prefer out- being up in the middle of the day because everybody else is asleep. It's nice and quiet. Nobody bothers you. Yeah, you could get much. so much done. Yeah. But um, I do appreciate this question because I was also curious about Prince Frondus because I figured Prince implies some kind of lineage of rule. And I was like, but there's no. No, I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot of nobility. There was a lot of nobility, like people that were placed up in the higher portions of society, as it were. But it wasn't that they were like part of any particular lineage or anything like that. It was just they were in charge of this. It's sort of like calling him Mayor Frondus. Or, yeah, well, you know, governor for not for Andes. It, you know, he had that particular section that he ruled over, but he reported to Ashara and all of them reported to Ashara. All of them did. Yeah. It's pretty much the way Machiavelli wrote the prince. And he wasn't talking about the son of a king. He was talking about the head of a principality, uh, uh, um, of head of state in, in much the same way. Um, in terms of like heritage, I mean, like you, there's the other thing that's weird about the elves is they actually had two nobilities. They had the old nobility who kind of predate the highborn. And Lord Falconcrest is a member of that. Like these guys were like when the empire was coming up, they were the soldiers and the generals and the guys who put it in motion. But then the highborn came up and the highborn were obsessed with sorcery because that's what Ashara did. And they wanted to emulate her. She was real keen on that. Yeah. And so there's tension between these two groups. The high, like the older nobility, like like Ravencrest and the others, still loved Ashara. Everybody loved Ashara. They couldn't help themselves, but they were like very suspicious of the Highborn. And the Highborn, were like, why are you suspicious of us? We're just trying to be more like Ashara. And they're like, exactly. You shouldn't be. Only Ashara is Ashara. And Only that was a she big gets thing. to be the best. Yeah. So there's elves had that kind of thing going on. It's a little bit. It's a little bit 
different and kind of interesting anyway the way that it worked and clicked together and we don't have a lot of detailed history from that time period we just have the stuff that, that you know you can dig up with archaeology or the stuff that was presented in the war of the ancients books or even chronicle chronicle goes over some of it but it doesn't have all of the details like it doesn't doesn't tell you how many rulers there were exactly or yeah it doesn't even tell you who was in charge of the night elves prior to ashara yeah. we don't know keep mind, we still don't know they- they blew themselves up and the people that took over after didn't like them. Yeah. So they didn't want to talk about them. Very they didn't much. talk about them. They didn't yeah. hang on to it. Um, everybody was all about Ashara. That's, that's all they wanted to write about, talk about, you know, put in down in the history books. It was, it was all her until it wasn't. And then there was nothing. So uh, moving on next email. <laughs> Next email is from Balaka Warrior on Dragonblight, who says, Dear Watchers, now that we know that the Titans are all dead, Sargeras accepted, of course, what would have actually happened if we failed to defeat Algalon and he sent the order for re-origination? Thanks, Belek. I have a theory about this, but if you want to go first, go ahead. No, 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 please give me your theory, because I don't know. Okay. All right, my theory is based on the fact that Neltharion uh, Deathwing wanted to get into the Halls of Origination so badly. Um, if you remember in Chronicle... There's a part where the Tolvir change the halls of origination to direct the origination effect in a in a localized area, which is why Oldham is a desert. Yeah, they they used that to stop the uh, the, the the Mogu who were coming over because this was before the you know everything got blown up. Back then, the Mogu could walk straight over to Oldham. The Mogu were basically Lei Shen really wanted everything that was over there. So he yeah. marched an army. Was it Lei Shen? Yeah, Lei Shen. Yeah, it was Lei he Shen. marched an army over there to go take control of all of this stuff. And the Tolvir said, yeah. uh, no. <laughs> yeah. the this Tolvier is how Lei Shen originally died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tolvir couldn't fight him. Like, they, they didn't have the, the force to fight the Mogu. There were just too many of them. Because they had a creation forge over there. They, they had the one, the engine of Nalik Shock. Uh, they were building more Mogu. So they, they, they told me, they were like, all right, we'll, we'll use the Halls of Origination. So they reformatted it to direct the effect locally and turned, they basically glassed their own kingdom to, to stop them from getting their hands on the, the Halls. Uh, as a result, Deathwing had to go there physically. If Algalon had sent the reorigination signal, he could have overridden the lockout that the Tolvir put on because he's a Constellar. Yeah. If he'd sent the message it would have basically gone to an, to an automated system because that's what the Titans have, automated systems, and the signal would have been sent and the, the halls of origination would have fired and we'd all be dead. That's exactly why Deathwing wanted to go there because he wanted to throw it manually. He couldn't get in. He did not have the ability to override the lockout. He's not he, a consular. Yeah, he couldn't even get the Tolvir to do it for him. They were like, no, we can't. We, we, you know, we don't have the ability to override it. We just focused it. Yeah, we, we can't turn that thing on. So I believe Algalon would have been able to kill us all because that's his it's his job that, it, you know, he has the access directly. That's that's why when Loken died, it didn't just activate the halls of origination. It had to call Lo- it had to call Algalon. That's his job. So had Algalon sent the signal, it would have gone out automatically and it would have killed everybody. But without Algalon, you can't get it to happen unless you go there manually and just fire the bloody thing off. Because and I don't know if he could have gotten it to affect the whole planet because the the Tolvir changed it so it fired locally. I don't know if if Deathwing could have made it fire globally, but I'm pretty sure Algalon could have made it fire globally because again, Constellar. Do you think so. Yogg Saron would have been totally cool had Algalon actually succeeded? 
I think that was his whole job. That was his whole big. He, I think, think he wanted that to happen. Oh, yeah. Look at how, all the effort he went through to make it happen. Yeah, that's true. He, you know, the whole thing. It, the it's whole like thing with perfect. Logan and the yeah. whole thing with everything else and, and corrupting everyone else. Smart I mean, enough to get no, us to come in. No better way to break free from a prison than to just blow the whole thing up. Yeah, and, you know, get, you know, he was smart enough to set Logan up through all that and then get some mortals nobody ever heard of to come in and kill the guy. You know, it's like, but after Loken has brought him Thorim, so now he has all of the con, all of the Watchers in one place to unlock the Celestial Planetarium to call Algalon in. Basically, Loken outlived his usefulness, or rather, yeah. his one last task that was extremely useful was his own demise. Yeah, Loken then, Loken was even convinced, you know what you should do is you should totally set it up so that if you die... Algalon shows up. Oh, yeah, that would be Royal a great payday, idea. Royal Payday asks in the chat channel, and this is a legit question. So how did the Tolvir survive? Uh, they were basically mostly killed. If you look at, like, the survivors they've got left. Like, they, they don't Not have a lot, a lot of, of them left, left down there. Yeah. I um, think a lot of them actually, the ones that were in on Courage, mm-hmm. like, appear to have taken it even harder. Like, the, the, there's, the ones that are on Garage, like, there's a few of them, and they're all under the sway of the, the old gods. Yeah. Like, Moam. Yeah. They, not a lot of sane Tolvir left over there. And that's where most of the destructive effect took place is actually Silithus, which is just a nightmare, you know. Whereas you look at Oldham. Oldham is, like, fairly livable. I mean, it's it's all sand and glass, but it's, you know, you can, you can it's got oasis and stuff. It's not like Silithus, where the, the only thing there was this bloody Silithid, and they erupted out afterwards. Alex, do you have anything to comment on this? No, other than I, I was never really under the impression that the Titans... Because the question seems like they seem to think it's like Titans were supposed to come back and like do it manually. I always envisioned it as like a giant death laser from space or something. Yeah, I figured that awesome. it was like he, he would send the signal out to space, the Titans would get the signal, look at, the, look at it and go, oh, yep. That done messed itself up. Okay, go or, ahead and send like, the order, and then just push whatever big red button they had. Or just going super sci-fi with it, like it, it contacts a Titan satellite, and the satellite fires a laser beam and kills everybody. That would. I actually be do cool. assume. I do assume it is something along those lines. Probably not an actual satellite, but I'm sure the Titans have automated procedures, and it would just activate them. The Luna is a satellite. You heard it here. No. <laughs> okay. It's the typical Luna's sci-fi space station, thing. Eluna. <laughs> all it, right. It's, it's the typical typical sci-fi thing where like the the ancients are all dead, but they're left behind this super sophisticated technology, and it's on autopilot, and it's causing trouble, and we mere mortals have to stop it. In other words, it's a Halo game. It's ever it's most sci-fi settings that become video games. Well, there you go. All right. So uh, moving on. Next email is from Senoria. Scenario from Kelthazad US who says, Hey watchers, people in the queue started speculating about who the final boss of Legion is going to be. And I do think that it's about that time of the expansion where we should be starting to get our guesses in. So my question is this, if we take for granted that Sargeras himself is not the final boss of Legion and that said boss is someone we already know, at least in name, who do you think it's going to be? You know, I think, didn't we talk about this one on lore watch? I swear we talked about this one on lore watch. I, I mean, it's, recently. it's obviously Nomi. <laughs> Nomi? Okay. What? Yeah. I think Alex is making a joke. Oh, yes. okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, who do you think it's going to be, Rossi? I, see, we know that it's not Kill Jaden, unless, unless Tomb of Sargeras is the last raid, and then whatever we do in 7-3 isn't a raid, it's not Kill Jaden. You know what I mean? Like, 
because they did that already and had Kill Jaden be the end boss surprisingly at the end of Burning Crusade. So part of me thinks it's going to be Illidan. <laughs> it's going to be surprise. It's Illidan. Oh, I know thing. what this is. I answered this question in the queue over the weekend. That's what this oh, is. Oh, okay. That's why what this looks say, so then? familiar. Um, okay. I said that if it was going to be anything, um, I think I think the question was a little more directed in the queue that I answered, where uh, they they said if if Sargeras was going to take someone to use as an avatar, um, who would they take? And uh, I said Cadgar, just because that made the most sense logistically speaking to me, particularly given what we learned about Cadgar, like what what Kill Jaden said about Cadgar in the whole Tomb of Sargeras audio short where he was like, no, he could be useful. Don't, don't do anything to him. Like he ordered Gul'dan not to do anything to him. And then in the, in the Khadgar Harbinger's short, the, the demon that he was talking to was like, oh yeah, okay. They were totally right about you. And I'm like, okay, so maybe they're lining something up here, but that would make sense to me. And then poor Dadgar would have to go out in like the worst way possible, but it would make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know if it's going to be that. I mean, but that's the thing is they've set it up so that the most obvious guy is out. Like his kill Jaden was the guy I thought it was going to be. Kill Jaden or Illidan, one or the other, and both yeah. of those are out. Ah, uh, you could still do Illidan. You could totally like Maybe, have him. Yeah, you can have him do something like you know. And now my plan to defeat the Legion, I will destroy all the worlds in the universe. Wait, what? <laughs> Pardon me, we're not down with that one. It has to be done. No, okay, we're stopping him. But yeah, I I think Illidan is most likely out because they've they've been going the whole, uh, you know, they've been pushing. I mean, the Illidan only other option home. is to just like, oh, surprise, Medivh is back. Like the real Medivh is back. Here's what he's been doing. He's been hanging out with his best buddy Sargeras, and now he's totally uh, an avatar again. And it's just like Warcraft mm. two again, and we're gonna have to fight him and kill him. And Cadgar's gonna have to do it again. Only this time he he makes he he takes all of Cadgar's old away. And makes him really young. So Cadgar's just Benjamin buttoning all over the Warcraft universe. He's a baby at the end. <laughs> He's just an infant at the end of all of this. And then Jaina <laughs> shows up and says, Oh, I'm going to take care of you. And that's the end. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Ugh. That's oh. horrible. Why would you I do think that to Jaina? It got terrible. <laughs> do we have to assume that Sargeras himself is not the final boss? He could um, be. He could be. I don't know. Is that is that your take? I mean, sure. I don't see why he couldn't be. Well, we're going to fight mean, the avatar of Sargeras in Tomb. We, we and, fight his old husk, and then we fight the real one. He's like, I just got my body back. Time to fight you. And then we beat him up, and then he doesn't have a body again. And then well, he just goes back to being a ghost in the Twisting Nether until the next Legion expansion ten years from now. See, I think it would be a problem to fight him in his actual body. Because his actual body... Remember the Deathwing fight where we're on his back and it's kind of ridiculous because he's so much bigger than us? The yes. fighting against Sargeras is we're on his toe. And his toe is the size of, like, you know, Kalimdor. So it's just like... Yeah, but that would make the perfect raid. You fight his toe and then you climb his leg hairs to get up to his knee to fight his knee. Um, yeah, and then... You realize that Alex. a single leg hair of Sargeras is, like, the width of a world tree. Yeah, probably. and then we, we skip an area in the middle... And then we have to ascend to, like, his neck. <laughs> and then Seriously, finally Alex, we poke him in the eye. This is basically the end of Transformers the movie where a Unicron shows up and is talking at us in the Orson Welles voice. That's that's what we're going to have have happen if we end up having to fight Sargeras. We're going to have to go into his eye and start stabbing his brain repeatedly or something. That's fine. I don't know. I, 
I don't know. It, it is certainly possible we could fight Sargeras or some aspect of Sargeras. Um, it might be cool if we go to Argus and the entire thing we do is completely new to us and it's nobody we've ever heard of. I haven't had a we haven't had a boss like that in a while. Like I think even in vanilla, like the last couple of raids, we've got Cthune and and Kel'Thuzad. Burning Crusade was all people we'd heard of before. Um, Wrath obviously was the Lich King. Um, Cataclysm was was Deathwing. So it would be nice if you know going in we didn't know anything and we weren't like we weren't swerved like we were in 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 Draenor. I mean, straight up, we we were told who the end boss was going to be, and then it wasn't him. Yeah, they swerved us on that one. So I'm, I don't know. I I would like it to not be something too super predictable, but I mean, if it has to be somebody, I would I would probably not mind it being Cadgar. Although, eh, we kind of missed Cadgar. What if to fight Sargeras, we just trick him into drinking a Nogginfogger elixir? But what oh, no. if he what if he gets the float ability instead of the shrink? Then we just or, make or him... worse yet, what if he turns into a skeleton? Because then what are we supposed <laughs> to do? <laughs> Actually, you know what happens is we have to get, like, instead of fighting him, we have to have a giant head that just appears and trains us to use special powers. And we go out into the desert and we, like, fight people. Like, the raid is basically us going out to fight people and get these giant robot monsters yeah. to like, work with us. And then the end fight is we, our giant robot monsters all join together and form, like, you know, I don't know, something. And, you know... We fight Sargeras for a while, but then we realize, like, when we get to like 35% that we should have formed Blazing Sword way earlier. So we form that, and that's how we, you know, finally take Sargeras down for a while. But he's not great. He's not beaten. He just, you know, shrinks down a little bit and runs away. There's lots of explosions from no particular area. <laughs> they just happen. And Goldar's in it. Okay. Yes. I yeah. support this. All right. So uh, we have one final question here, so let's just go ahead and answer that real quick. This is from Aethernus, who says, Hello, Blizzard Watch Lords! I'm Aethernus from Maelstrom US. I've been reading the Chronicle Volume 2, and I'm a bit annoyed with all the retcons made in relation with Rise of the Horde. Instead of keeping all the quote-unquote lore changes and warlords specific to Alt-Dranor, it seems they decided to bring a lot of those changes to the main Dranor timeline. How do you guys feel about this? I... Can I go first on this? Is that okay? Sure, right. Yeah. All right. I found nothing wrong with any of the retcons and or adjustments that they made in Chronicle 2. I was actually okay with pretty much every single last one of them because I think that they made sense. And the thing that you have to realize about Alt-Dranor is that Alt-Dranor is the real Dranor. It, it's the the only difference between those two things, as as uh, Kairos pointed out. He, he said it's like blades of grass are different. But otherwise, it's all pretty much the same. And we've been told that, like, through the entirety of Warlords of Draenor, we were told that the history in Draenor was pretty much, it, it was the same. It didn't matter which reality you were in. And that's why when Murad was telling the story of the different clans and things like that in the Warlords animated shorts, they were still applicable because that was still Draenor history. Maybe, maybe the Draenor that we went to looked a little different. Maybe there were a few situations that were a little different. But it was mostly the same. And as far as history goes, it was the same. Um, I'm, I'm imagining that you're speaking of, of the whole origins of Gul'dan thing, because that was probably the single biggest change. But I don't think that that was so much of a change. I think that in Rise of the Horde, you also have to look at the fact that Rise of the Horde was being told from the perspective of, who was it? Was it Drek'thar that was telling that history to Thrall? 
It was mostly Drekthar's view of it, yeah. Yeah, it was his it was his view of that history and he didn't know what was going on with Goldon. He just knew what he saw. So a lot of what he told Thrall and a lot of what Thrall learned were these stories from people who had been there and they didn't have the whole picture. Chronicle gives you kind of the whole picture. Um, I'm gonna and just I think it did a really this. good. I think it did a really good job, though, uh, of bringing all of this stuff in and kind of weaving it together in a united whole. I'm gonna just flat out say that it's not. There is no retcons. They yeah. don't retcon anything. I, I, don't, I don't. Well, okay. Retcon isn't the right word because retroactive continuity is when they decide to put in new information that contradicts stuff that you had before. You want to retcon the origins of the Draenei that we got in Burning Crusade, that was a retcon. I want to say that they definitely retconned Garona's origins. They, so here's the thing Because hers that. changed a lot. Hers changed, except I'm not sure it did. Because we uh, don't it know... It did. It we, changed a lot. Because a lot of the information that we had uh, of, of how she was created, and keep in mind that she was created by Gul'dan originally. She was... Mm-hmm magically aged by Gul'dan originally and in Chronicle 2 it's very specific no she's not she's she's from a different place yes she's a half-breed she may or may not be actually be Marad's niece it really didn't make that clear there was yeah, a the lot Marad's of comic stuff noticed. there was a lot of the co- information that was presented in the Warcraft comics that doesn't appear to be canon anymore but I don't know if that's the case or not and I don't think we'll know for sure until we get Chronicle Volume 3 or 4. But I'm not unhappy with any of these changes because I think they really kind of elegantly wove everything together into this cohesive... I'm going to be honest, the 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 Garona stuff, if it goes the way it looks like it's going, might be a retcon if the person in question is the person in question. Uh, and I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read it yet. But if you've seen the Warcraft movie that's kind of felt like what they were hinting at with Garona. I don't think so. That's kind of what it felt like. And if we'll see what they do. In, in yeah, the I just, I don't but think so. Right now, they haven't said she is or isn't his niece. That has not been said. That wasn't, they didn't absolutely no, say. No, they didn't say it. But the thing is, is like, they talked they about, did, they talked they about Marad's, with, they talked about yeah. Marad's sister. And mm-hmm. they mentioned her specifically. And then the time jump involved there didn't seem long enough for Garona to have come to be. So I'm not, I'm not 100% on what's going on there. It still seems kind of iffy to me and kind of clouded to me, but I'm even, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I, I, I liked what they did in Chronicle too. I do. Um, and throughout, throughout uh, Warlord, both Warlords and the Warcraft movie, uh, stuff related to the orcs. I always kept getting this vibe that I was like, I think this is what, they wished they had done with the orcs to begin with. Yeah. For example, degrossifying some of the things related to Garona. Mm-hmm. It always kind of felt like they probably, they're doing this very intentionally, and I think they prefer would have preferred if they did it this way to begin with. And it sounds like Chronicle is following on that, that the places where they thought they would have preferred to do it this way to begin with, they have the opportunity to clarify and repair. Yeah, there's certainly a certain amount of backing away from some of the more egregiously gross stuff that was in there before also though as, as far as Gul'dan is concerned because i've had people come up to me and ask me about this nothing here is a, is a contradiction of Gul'dan that we had before no nothing. it's not because we never we never found out before how Gul'dan became nurzel's apprentice we just he there he is he didn't, he's there, no, he's, nobody knew yeah. nobody yeah, knew and again there. you know 
when you go back to Rise of the Horde, the way Rise of the Horde is presented is it's a story that, that, that Thrall has heard. And he doesn't have all of the pieces. Nobody has all of the pieces. Chronicle has all of the pieces because it's not its not a character in the story relaying anything. It's just, it's a flat encyclopedia of information. So, I mean, there you one go. Of the things too, one of the things, too, that we get in Chronicle that we didn't have before is a much bigger picture of, of um, Ogre society. Yeah. Like, what were Ogres like? on Draenor what would what was their society like why did it fall apart what what was the you know what was the catalyst for it what did the red pox come from these are all things that happen in in chronicle that are not retcons they're just explanations and i honestly feel like the the garona one i don't know i didn't see it that way when i read it i just thought they you know decided to go with a little bit more ambiguity but i could see what you're saying i just that's not how I read it. It, it but, felt like there were entire swaths of the Warcraft comic series that have been kind of um, shoved to the side, not mentioned, and possibly don't exist. But we won't know until they catch up to that I point think, in Chronicle. I think, didn't uh, BlizzCon last year, Frostyabi basically say the comic does not fit with the Warcraft universe? In, no, in no. He words? said that, he said, what he said, somebody asked him about Madan and Madan being a guardian. And he said, Madan is not a guardian. That's not canon. Um, and that's all he said. That's as far as he went with it. So that's what we were... He, he was like, there are other aspects of the comics that are correct, but Madan is not... He's not a guardian. So it, it was it kind of like... like they ever it was like they were waffling with it even then, and they weren't quite sure how much yeah. they were going to go ahead and, you know, It never seemed to like the they ever there. paid attention to the... It, it, beyond, like, the first run of the comic... Was it the first run with Varian? Yeah, the Varian yeah. stuff. The after Varian the end... stuff that carried in. Everything after Varian, they were like, nah. And they never brought that into they were the like game, little... like any part of it. There were little bits and pieces. Like um, Meryl, Meryl Firestorm, I believe, is in the game Yeah, somewhere. he's in. Um, and, and, and Murad, obviously, is in the game. Um, there are other characters that were, you know, Valeria. used in the game. Valeria well, wasn't in the game. Murad in the game before the comic? Um, Murad was actually, cinematic. he was in the, he was in, he was the, the Draenei that was in the original Burning Crusade cinematic. So and he was the one on with the, the big deck book. of the airship in Wrath of the Lich. Yeah, he is. But when he, but when he showed comic. up, that was after the comic oh, came it? out. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, maybe he wasn't intended to be the Draenei that was in the Burning Crusade cinematic. Maybe they just made a Draenei and then they said, that guy looks really cool. Let's make a story about him. Let's put it in the comic because it's there. We don't know how that actually worked out. It's just, yeah, everything everything post that whole Anixia fight and everything seemed to be kind of, eh, parts of it were probably right and parts of it probably weren't. Like the whole thing with Garrosh showing up with Thrall to that whole diplomatic summit, that seemed like it was something that was legit and actually happened. But the stuff with Garona, maybe, maybe not. The stuff with Medan, maybe, maybe not. We didn't know. And I don't think that we still have all of the answers for that. So I don't know. But... Chronicle 2. It was actually really good. I enjoyed it. I don't I don't know about you, Rossi, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I read it like the day that I downloaded it. I went burned through it. I, yeah. I was I've actually like made notes about the Apexis yeah. and the stuff and that's for, revealed there. For people who are asking cuz I know that there have been a lot of questions about this. I I know we're running over time here, so I'm just going to wrap this up, but for people who are asking about it, they were saying we want some place where we can talk about Chronicle 2 spoilers and things like that. The next the next episode of Lore Watch will be recording on Sunday. That's going to be all Chronicle 2. So 
there will be your spot to discuss things in the comments if you want to at that point. We'll we'll have that there for you. So it's coming. Just be patient. It's okay. Um, and that wraps us up for emails. Sorry for going off on a ramble there, Rossi. No, it's what we do. Um, um, anyway, so yeah, that wraps us up for emails and that also wraps us up for the show. And I'm sorry, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. If you have an email for the podcast, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with either Blizzard Watch or podcast in the subject line so we know it's for this show. Uh, I'm the host, Matthew Rossi. This has been the show. Thank you guys very much for listening, and we will be here next week. Bye.